Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to today's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. I am joined by Leslie Thomas, the Money Mastery Business Coach. Leslie helps ambitious results-driven women rewrite their money stories and reconnect with their business purpose to drive their success. Some of the areas we're going to be chatting about today are understanding your own money story and how you can change it, how self-limiting beliefs are holding you back from achieving the full potential for you and your business, and how to recognize where you may be limiting yourself. And we're also going to be talking about breaking through your revenue ceiling. So Leslie, thanks very much for joining me today. My pleasure, Nicole. Really looking forward to the conversation. Now, how did you become the Money Mastery Business Coach? Oh, now there's a story. So (laughs) I, first of all, spent my first 20 years of my career working in corporate telecommunications. Then 11 years ago, I left to join my husband in his business, where we sell ski property in France and Switzerland. I left for all the reasons that lots of females leave their corporate jobs because the work-life balance, trying to be a good mum, a good employee, a good wife, etc., was just not working. Mm-hmm. So I, I left and I joined my husband in his business. It was, I really enjoyed the fact I could carry on having a career whilst doing the school run, going to sports day, being part of the, you know, the nativity, etc., etc., but the job was very, very functional. It did not sing to my soul. I didn't jump out of bed in the morning and go, whoopee, I'm, yeah. know, I'm off to work, even though I was working from home. So for the last probably couple of years before lockdown, um, I started to think, what else? What do I want to do next? What is really going to fire me up in this kind of next chapter of my life? I had toyed with a non-director's role, not non-directorship role, but that was just taking me back to corporate. So I decided I wanted to retrain as a business coach because I always coached informally throughout my career, running a team, being part of a men- mentorship program, etc. And the part of business coaching I wanted to focus on was helping women business owners to gain more confidence, mm-hmm. because that was something I've always been good at. The more I looked at the direct correlation between confidence and self-worth and self-value, the thing linking all of that was money. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go wholeheartedly in to helping my ideal client who are female entrepreneurs really understand their relationship with money and how that relationship with money was impacting them, particularly in their business, because that impact is not just felt in their bottom line. It is also felt in all the activities that affect their bottom line. So, lack of, you know, not wanting to be visible in their business, 
shying away from having conversations about money, not putting effective boundaries in place, not marketing themselves in a way that shows them to best effect. So I help my clients really, really understand their money story, the impact it is having on them, and then to work out what we need to do together to rewrite that money story and remove those blocks that are preventing them from growing their business in the way that they want to. Well, that sounds like a, a very big task in it in itself, you know, and I think, and for me, my own money story, I only really started looking at that about two years ago, but how can, talk to me about money story. I know it's, it's kind of established and the foundations for your money story established at quite a young age. So, yeah, if you can talk to me about how people's money story is first established and what people should be looking at, how do they recognize their own money story and what kind of different um, money stories or money beliefs there are? Okay. So when we say money story, what we're effectively saying is our limiting beliefs around money and our limiting beliefs around our relationship with money. And all limiting beliefs are formed between the ages of naught and seven. So by the time we are seven, our limiting beliefs around money are already well established. And when it comes to money, those limiting beliefs have been put there by the people that are bringing us up, our parents, Mm -hmm. as a result of how they are around money, the, the messages they're giving to us, what we're picking up in what they're saying, how they're talking about people who have and who don't have money. And we're picking up on those messages because we like to mimic, essentially. We like to really take on board those messages that are happening and we take them on as our truths, as our beliefs. But they're not truths. They are simply the beliefs of others that we have taken on board as our money story. And it'll be things like money doesn't grow on trees. It'll be things around not being able to have new bikes, clothing, etc., outside of birthdays and Christmas. Mm-hmm. It'll be around asking to go on the school trip. No, we can't afford to do that. And starting to link our sense of self-value and self-worth to what our parents are telling us. And also it's things like there could be you know, an abundance of food you know, in the cupboards at the start of the month. But as you get towards the end of the month, you start to notice as a child, there's not quite so much in the fridge. The treats aren't in the cupboard. Oh, but they start there again come the beginning of the month. So you start to get an association with the beginning of the month being about good times, the end of the month being about struggle. And what we do as children is we take that money story through with us into adulthood. Whereas every other story we leave behind. Mm -hmm. So the tooth fairy, Father Christmas, Ken and Barbie living happily ever after in Miami. We take all, we, we leave all of that in our childhood, but we take the money story that is relevant to our parents' situation, but not necessarily our situation, but we continue to live that story and we continue to allow that story 
to limit us. And it's that limitation that causes the problem. So what does that look like as an adult then? Oh, all sorts of different things. So it could be around not wanting to invest in yourself, Mm. not wanting to increase your fees, not putting clear boundaries in place with other people. You know, we, we all have an inherent need to be liked, but it's only when we start to realize that people are potentially going to walk all over us if we don't put firm boundaries in place. That sense of self-worth and self-value is very much linked to our ability to say, no, it's outside of office hours. No, it's the weekend. I'm not going to reply to your message now. No, we can't continue with the session just because you turned up late. So -hmm. there's all sorts of linkages around feeling worthy of having money, being able to invest in yourself, invest in your business, pay money into a pension, think about um, having a cleaner, you know, having a cleaner so you can spend more time developing your business. It is that real sense of linking your relationship with money, what you are worthy of, what you can invest in yourself and how from there you can grow yourself and grow your business. And also when we are questioning our own sense of self-value and self-worth, that is where, where we find it to be really, really hard to stand up and be the expert in our business, to let people know, come to me, I really know what I'm talking about because I have the ability to help you do X, Y, and Z. If you're questioning your self-value because of your money story, then that means you're more likely to shy away. And in a world that is now so hugely online, if you are hiding away because you're questioning your self-value and self-worth, what you're actually doing is gifting that to your nearest competitor yeah. who is out there banging on about how good they are, how good their product is, how that's going to transform someone's life. So it's not just about the relationship with money. It's the relationship that you have with yourself, your sense of self-worth and self-value because of your relationship with money. From a product business, when you are starting out and even, you know, when you're further along in your journey, you know, you've got a real eye on the costs. Where is that balance between investing in someone else so that you can grow your business? And and how do you need, how can you let go so that you can do that? Okay. So there's almost, there's three parts to that. First of all, limiting beliefs are not the problem because with limiting beliefs, you can feel the fear and do it anyway. So you can recognize when you're holding yourself back and you go, bugger it, I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. So the limiting belief isn't the problem. The problem is the limiting decision that you take as a result of the limiting belief. So that limiting decision to not invest in your business is the problem. Feeling a scarcity around money is a belief. That isn't the problem. The problem is the limiting decision that you're taking Mm. to not investing in your business. There's widely, you know, hell belief. There are two money mindsets, scarcity and abundance. Although there's a brilliant book around the four money mindsets, which splits those down a little bit further. If you have a scarcity mindset, it doesn't Mm. mean 
that you don't have money in the bank. What it means is you are really concerned that if you spend the money that you have, where is that money going to come from to replace it? What if there is a pandemic? What if there is a rainy day? What if, what if, what if? If you have an abundant mindset, it equally doesn't follow that you've got um, loads of money in the bank, but you have an inherent belief that you have the ability to make and attract money. So you will invest in yourself, recognizing that the flow from that is I invest in myself. People will see that I'm investing myself in my business. They're going to have more confidence in what I offer, what mm. I have to say. When it comes to our relationship with money, um, we are all we're all guided, for want of a better term, by our money archetypes. And there are eight money archetypes of which we are all guided by three archetypes. And the archetypes, I liken it to, we are, our, we are the chairman of the board. Our archetypes are our board directors. Mm -hmm. When we know the characteristics of our board directors, we can then lean in to the right board director according to the decision that we need to make. So I'll give you an example of a couple of, of, of the archetypes so you can understand yeah, great. the challenge that mm -hmm. happens. So if you are an accumulator archetype, or if the accumulator is one of your three archetypes, then as the name suggests, if you're an accumulator, you absolutely adore saving money. Being able to put money aside for that rainy day is what really sets your heart on fire. There will never be a rainy enough day for you to feel comfortable about spending that money because to you, saving money equals security. You may also have a nurturer archetype as one of your top three. Nurturer, as the name suggests, loves to look after others. The nurturer will provide financial support to others as a way of demonstrating their love for that person mm. to the point that a nurturer will put themselves in financial harm yeah. rather than allow somebody else to have be put into financial harm. You could also have a celebrity archetype. A celebrity archetype, as the name suggests, is somebody who's very, very charismatic. They love to be seen to be successful, to have all the outward demonstration of that success. It could be a flash car. It could be the latest iPhone. It could be, you know, a bling watch. Just looking at them oozes success. What people don't know is that success has been founded on debt, credit cards, overdraft because their business is not seeing the success that they want the outside world to believe. So you can imagine having the accumulator who wants to save, having the nurturer who wants to look after people, having the celebrity who wants to be seen to be successful. And I have clients who have those exact same archetypes. You can imagine the challenge that's going on there. I need to save. No, I need to look good. No, I need to give the money to my, you know, to a member mm. of the family. And you've got all that challenge going on in your head. Once you know what is going on, 
and something comes up for you, <gasps> I need to go out and I need to buy the latest iPhone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down. You need to think about how we're going to bring more money into your business in order to be able to apportion some of it to save towards your new iPhone, to apportion some of it to put into savings, to then be able to have some in reserve should you need to be able to support your daughter, your son, a university or whatever. Mm -hmm. So rather than that emotive reaction, where that knee-jerk reaction that goes, whoosh, I need to go and do that. Once you actually understand what is going on for you, now very often by their nature, entrepreneurs are can be rulers. And a ruler loves to work in and on their business, but doesn't like to invest that money in their business. They mm. want to keep the money in the business. If you're keeping your money in your business and not investing in it, to the outside world, it might be okay on day one, but by day 51, they're going to yeah. start to see that your systems aren't necessarily as good as somebody else's. Your products aren't as fresh. Your investment in yourself, you're not up-leveling, et cetera, et cetera. When you understand what is going on with that relationship with money, right at the heart of what is controlling that relationship with money, that is when you're able to go, okay, I know what is going on here. I'm not going to go knee-jerk reaction and make a decision. I'm actually going to lean into that archetype that is going to help me come to the best decision. Yeah, and I think when people are focused on like lack as well, and I know we talked there about scarcity and abundance, and would you say, I mean, in would you say it's like glass half full, glass half empty, you know, half empty side of things in terms of lack is, is glass half empty and, and abundance, glass half full, that they're much more of a positive attitude and that the money will flow to them and the money will come, whereas lack is more and scarcity that they're focusing really just on the debt or on the on the on what they don't have. It's, it, is that, it is that sense of self-worth. It's a, that, oh, that sense of self-worth and self-value. When you actually believe you are good at something and that you can create a product that is going to sell, that is going to provide you know, a transformation, a particular result to the people buying it, then you are very happy to be seen, to be talking about that product, to be demonstrating the value of that product. If you are not particularly sure that that product is going to be the right one and you're a bit scared because there's somebody who's been doing it longer and their product's got more longevity, et cetera, et cetera, that behavior comes out of you. It's very, very easy for your audience to pick up on, well, if you are not shouting from the rooftop about your product, you're clearly not bought into it yourself. So that's, that, that scarcity is when in people's behavior, there's a desperation. There's a des please buy my product, please be, it's yeah. brilliant. Rather than actually say, buy my product because this is what's going to happen to you. This is what you're going to feel like you're going to see, et cetera, as a result. So your sense of self-worth and self-value compared to scarcity and abundance falls down to how much you truly believe in what you are doing and how much you are comparing negatively yourself to everybody else. I think it's so amazing to, you know, that so much 
from a confidence point of view, links back to your money mindset and your your limiting beliefs. And I think, you know, some people when they're doing product business and clients of mine, when they're starting, they're like, oh yeah, I can do all the product thing, but I, I really don't want to show my face on Instagram or I really don't want to be visible, you know? And it's, and I think for people that are listening and, and they feel that way, you know, think back on what your money story is, yeah. you know, and, and what your, you know, your confidence is, is relating to a lot of that. Yeah. And how can people, once they've recognized it, and, and realize, okay, I need to do work on this. What can they do? How can they change their money story? First of all, it's having that awareness that it is causing you a problem in the first place. So being really honest with yourself about how your relationship with money you know, is impacting you and as a result, impacting your business. You know, it's a little bit like, um, I always liken it to um, wanting, you know, to lose weight. You know, you don't get on the scales. You know, I don't, I don't need to get on the scales. You know, it's absolutely fine. You know, I just go buy my clothes. Well, actually, my clothes started to shrink in the wash. It's not me, it's my clothes. And then you eventually go, Do you know, I better check this out. You get on the scales and you discover the problem wasn't the washing machine. It's the fact you've put on two stone. Mm-hmm. True story in my case. Um, <laughs> exactly. I think in lockdown, a lot of people will have that story. Absolutely. And once you have that awareness of what those limiting beliefs are that are holding you back and the desire to want to do something about it. So the awareness and the desire, you know, are are the first things. It's then about looking at what are those internal messages, that, that internal conversation that is going on in your head that is stopping you from doing what you need to do. Because actually, we all know, we all have intuition, we all have that gut reaction. We all know, for example, we need to be showing up on social media. And we all know that showing up on social media means being visible, be that photographs, be that in stories, be that going live. But there'll be something that is making us go, no, no, it's okay. I don't need I don't need to go live. I'll just put the product out there. That'll be absolutely fine. When actually we know that's that little voice in our head trying to keep us safe, basically. Mm. So to sit down quietly and to write down three to five limiting beliefs that you know you have around money. Then write three to five more. And the reason why I say it in the two parts is because normally there'll be things on the surface which we can very, very easily identify are a limiting belief that we have. By actually spending time to dig a little bit deeper, that is when we can really drill into the ones that are causing the limiting decisions. And then to write those limiting beliefs in the positive. So, no, I I did a post yesterday, you know, on on Instagram about that. And I wrote it down so I would remember. So um, we can tell ourselves lots and lots of stories to keep us where we are in terms of our relationship with money. So, you know, I have enough. It's greedy to want more. I'll have to work harder to make more money. I don't want to spend more time away from my family. Who am I to want more? I'm not capable of being really successful. There are others better at what I do. I'm scared success will change me. I don't want to be really visible in my business. If I become really successful, I lose my friends. Money can't buy happiness. And then you actually really drill down into those and write them in the positive. 
I have enough money that I would love to help others. It's not greedy to want more when this means I can help more people. I don't have to work harder to make more money. I just have to work smarter. More money allows more increased financial freedom and more time to spend with my family. Who am I to not want more? Mm-hmm. I am more than capable of achieving all the success I want to create for myself. I invest in myself to ensure I am the best at what I do, etc., etc. And that is that is what is going on with our relationship with money. Our subconscious, its job, its number one job, its sole purpose to a certain extent is to keep us safe. And our subconscious believes in keeping us safe we have to keep doing what we've all always done. So as soon as it sees we're starting to deviate from what we've always done, it jumps into action and it starts feeding our conscious brain with, why are you doing that? What's going to happen? Yeah. They can say, you're going to look stupid. You really, really don't want to do that. And it get, it amplifies and it amplifies and it amplifies. When you know it's doing that, when you are aware of the impact it is having on you, that is when you are able to go, hang on a moment, totally get what you're doing. But the reason why I need to be more visible on Instagram is how are people going to know how brilliant my product is and how brilliant I am at, at selling, at developing, at whatever you've done with that product, if I'm not telling them? How am I going to differentiate myself from all the other products that are very similar to mine if I'm not telling people about why mine is different, why it's special, why they should be buying it? So subconscious, what I am doing, I am creating this plan that is going to give us more financial security. It's going to give us more visibility that's going to have more products purchased, which is going to give us more financial security. And once you start doing that, a switch starts to happen where your subconscious goes, oh, so I see you're going to do it anyway. I better come along with you. I better come with you to keep you safe. And that is when you start to have what I call your shower moments. You're in the shower, you're not thinking about anything, and all of a sudden you have that brilliant idea. Oh, yeah, that's how I can market the product, or that's who I can talk to to collaborate. Because your subconscious is starting to realise I need to keep her safe. She's not listening to me. She's going blinking live on Instagram. So how else can I keep her safe? Oh, I know. I'll come up with some brilliant ideas that's going to help her to get that financial security. So I'm keeping her safe as well as her desire to feel the fear and do it anyway. So that conversation that we have with ourselves is the vital thing to turn that conversation into one that is supportive by understanding the impact of listening to the negative of not doing something. And I think once we understand the cost, the impact that we are actively choosing in not doing something, that is when we're creating that information about what we need to do to really get what we want. So we need to emotionally connect with where we are, 
and where we want to be. And by creating that emotional connection, that is when we first have the motivation for that change. But motivation for change isn't enough because motivation is temporary. It's a little bit like setting New Year's resolutions. You know, by the 7th, you're dying for a drink. You want that bar of coffee. You're fed up again at six o'clock in the morning, you know, to do your new new exercise regime. It's not the motivation that's going to keep you going. It is that connection, that emotional connection to whatever your goal is going to be. And that's what creates the consistency. And when you create the consistency, that is when that little voice in your head is turned down and turned down and turned down. And I think it's like, it's that, like you say, it's that action, the consistency and the repetition that you're always taking steps that are pushing you outside of your comfort zone. So your subconscious is going, okay, we're going again. We're going again. We're going again. So they get used to that and it starts to become, then then you can push yourself even further, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, from a sales point of view, and some people will feel sleazy about selling. What, how, for people that do feel that, and that I would imagine is linked to money mindset as well. Are there any tips that you can give people to help them kind of shake that off? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, it is that linking back to your sense of self-value and self-worth. And when it comes to you know a conversation with clients around selling, you take yourself out of the equation. It's it's nothing to do with you. It's all about the client. If mm-hmm. you genuinely believe your product is going to give them the results that you say it is, their pro- your product is going to have an impact on their life, then you talk about the benefits of that product in terms of the results, the results your clients are going to enjoy. Not that you take it three times a day and you mix it with water, not that you apply it here, there, or anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's actually... How are you feeling now? This product is going to make you feel amazing. In three weeks' time, you are going to have more energy. Your hair is going to look glossier. How is that going to make you feel? So you put put the spotlight completely on the client and actually have the awareness that that product is going to do what it says on the tin. You feel sleazy about that conversation if you are not genuinely bought into your product and the results. If you genuinely care about your client and them genuinely having the results that you say your product is going to have, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, a candle, an aromatherapy candle, you know, sitting down in the evening, getting relaxed before going to bed. What benefits will it have for you? You know, going to bed, already feeling relaxed, already feeling as though you've shaken the day off your shoulders and you're looking forward to going up to bed in that relaxed state. You're not talking about you. You're talking about the benefits you're bringing to your clients. And I think when people feel sleazy, it's because they keep using the me, the my, and it Mm. shouldn't be. It should always be the you. What's in it for you, the client? How is your life going to change as a result of this product? And genuinely believing that that client is going to be better off as a result of choosing your product. And once you genuinely believe that, it becomes a much easier process. 
And talk to me a little bit about revenue ceilings. It's something that interests me in terms of how that works. Okay. So when it comes to how much money we can earn in our business, the amount of money we can earn is, you know, there is no ceiling on it. There is no limit on it, only the limit we place on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because of our money story and what's been told to us in terms of people who have money, you know, people who have money are bad, um, having too much money is greedy, et cetera, et cetera. That story builds up in our head to a point where we put a self-imposed ceiling on how much money we can actually earn. We don't realize it's there, but what we do is put a block in place that says, I've got enough now. I could never earn more than that. I could never be more than this. So all the things I've just you know, previously gone through with those statements, we start saying those things to ourselves. So we start taking limiting decisions with regards to what we need to do next. So it could be, for example, needing to take on team. Who am I to manage a team? I've never managed a team. How am I going to manage a team? If I have a team, it means more work for me. So I'm not going to manage a team. I'm just going to stay as I am. I'm going to take, I'm going to increase my product range. Oh my goodness, it's already hard work with the amount of products I've got. If I take on more products, that's just going to be more work for me. So you keep telling yourself this story of keeping doing the same thing and getting to a point where actually the whole reason you set up the business in the first place, you're moving further and further away from because of the challenges that are being presented to you that you are not wanting to find a way around because of the limiting decisions you're making on yourself. So it could be you think, well, I can only... I can only increase the revenue in my business if I increase the price of my products. If I increase the price of my products, then people aren't going to buy them. And therefore, you know, I'm not going to increase them. So therefore, you know, your ceiling stays in place rather than thinking, well, actually, my products are doing really well. I can look to go to, is there another market I can possibly move to? Is there a way I can expand the range and increase the number of clients, you know, I am serving? But when you have that fixed mindset around, I can't, I shan't, I won't, and thinking of all the problems that are going to be generated, rather than thinking, okay, well, I've earned 100 grand this year. What would it take to earn 150 next year? How much more product would I need to sell? How much could I increase my existing products by? If I took somebody on to manage um, the customer service process, how much would that cost? Or what would the benefit be of that if I could serve you know, more clients? But when you have that, that scarcity mindset, when you have a lack of belief in yourself, what happens is you put a revenue ceiling very, very firmly in place. But also, um, we all have an, an upper limit, essentially. And um, there's a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he talks about this in, in his book in great detail, how we all reach a point in our lives, in our business, in our careers, where we think, I can't do better than that. Therefore, I'll, I'll stay where I am. And if we start to go above that upper limit, 
we set we start to self-sabotage effectively to prove ourselves right, to prove our 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 subconscious right. Because our subconscious is always looking for that evidence. So mm-hmm. our subconscious helps us to find the evidence that actually we shouldn't go above our upper limit. And in his book, Gay Hendricks gives lots and lots of examples, but I'll give just one for now, that says that uh, 80%, no, was it? no, 60%, sorry, 60% of Americans who won the lottery went back exactly to where they were financially before winning or worse off because they did not feel worthy of that amount of money. They self-sabotaged. They wanted to get rid of it, essentially. And there's lots and lots of other examples of we get to a point and we think we can go no further. It's only when we recognise that revenue ceiling, that upper limit, where we say, well, actually, that person's gone further. If they can do it, I can do it. What I need to work out is where I am, where I want to get to, and what are the gaps? and invest in those gaps. That investment might be in time. That investment might be in money. That investment might be in bringing on additional support, new systems, whatever it's going to be. But when you have that revenue ceiling, that ceiling is 125% self-imposed. There is no reason why you cannot break beyond it you just have to recognize that you are the person that has put it there on your back. and you are, you are the person that's almost sitting on it going, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. Yeah. When actually you have everything within you to remove it by recognizing it's you that has put it there. Thank you very much for that. Now, and I know we talked about repetition and consistency and I saw a post um, that you did on Instagram a while ago about money mantras. Yeah. And so what would be your top three money mantra mantras that you would suggest people say every day? OK, so first of all, my preference is never to give clients money mantras okay. for clients to come up with their own money mantras. And the reason for that is money mantras that work for me may not necessarily work for somebody else or my money mantras may be you know, be a reflection of where I am in my life compared to where somebody else is. So that is why when I work with clients normally, the way I suggest to them is think about your limiting beliefs, as I mentioned, write down three to five, and then write them in the positive. And for them to become their money mantras, because they are personalized to their situation. But there's more I mean, emotion with that as well, then, isn't there? Exactly. Yeah, it's much, rather than going, well, it's all very well me saying this that Leslie told me to say, but I don't actually believe it because that's pointless then. But I'll, yeah. give you, I'll give you some of mine. So my favourite one is the more people I serve, the more money I earn. The more money I earn, the more people I serve. Also, I am a money magnet. My income increases consistently. I deserve to be well paid for my skills, time and knowledge. I I can look at my finances without fear. And that last one is a really important one because something I also advise my clients to do is check their bank account on a daily basis. And when I first say that to most of them, it's like, my God, what? Daily? Every day? I need to go and check my bank account daily. Yes, check your bank account daily 
because that number is information. And when you have information, you can take action. If you bury your head in the sand, not wanting to check what's going on in your bank account, doesn't mean it's not going to be going on in your bank account. It still is. But if you view it purely as information on which to take action, it starts to become a whole lot, lot less scary. It starts to become empowering. And when you're empowered, you take consistent action. So they, those ones there are my kind of top five that I consistently say at least twice a day, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. But I also have post-it notes yeah. you know, around around the house. So I, and all it becomes subliminal then as well because you don't actually necessarily even see the post-it notes anymore. You just kind of glance up and your brain just takes it in. But that's reinforcing to your subconscious that you are determined to make the change and it can just shut up and go away or it can come along and support you. And that's what money mantras will do is help create that change. Yeah, like you say, you can put them in the, on the mirror beside where you're getting dressed in the morning and, the, you know, where the desk is. door, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, kitchen, fridge, yeah. And so where can people, if they want to work with you one-to-one, Leslie, how do they do that? Where can they find so I have a website, which is um, www.lesliethomas.com. I am Leslie Thomas Coaching on Instagram. I have my own podcast, which I nearly forgot about. Uh, Let's Talk Money and More. Um, and on Facebook as well as Leslie Thomas Coaching. Great. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining me today. And that's really useful. I think it gives a lot of people, you know, food for thought of things that they can change, that the, the changes they can make in their, you know, in their life and their business and what it can do for them. So stop listening to anything that's holding you back in your mind and put yourself out of your comfort zone and start taking that action. Absolutely. But thank you very much, Leslie. And um, if you have enjoyed listening to that, I would love for you to give us uh, a review and don't forget to subscribe to Start, Scale, Succeed. And I will see you again next week. <laughs>